everybody, welcome back to this week's episode of The Drunk Riders. As always, I am Marcus. And I'm Mark. I am Mike. Alright, this week, it's the bonanza. It's the craziness. It's all of Gravity Group. Holy shit, they're all here. <laughs> Alright, we can go. We have three windows of five fantastic people. Uh, go ahead, introduce yourself, one by one. Brian, wait till the end. <laughs> Hunter, take it away. All right, um, I'm Hunter. Hi, I'm currently in a hotel in Bristol, Connecticut. You can probably guess why. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a reason. Uh, I'm Jonathan Wooker. I'm an engineer with the Gravity Group. Uh, been there since 2010. A few days. And the group at the bar. Go ahead. Hey, Brian. Go oh, Brian. Said oh, yeah, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, James Haley, been an engineer with Gravity Group for almost three years now. Most of you know me from the tour. Yep. All right. I'm Chad Miller, uh, engineer and owner, co-owner of Gravity Group and Gravity Craft and all our subsidiaries. And, yeah, so obviously been with the Gravity Group for the whole thing. There you go. I'm Brian Ruff, uh, probably the newest member here to Gravity Group little over a year, but uh, project manager, <clears throat> but the longest member of the Buzz Bars from the ground. <laughs> <laughs> just wanted to say that. Of the five people that just introduced themselves. Well, I'm pretty sure I just joined today, so. Hey, nothing wrong with it. Better late than never. That's true. That's Better true. Better late than never. Uh, oh, we lost Hunter. Boo. <laughs> she She'll be back. She will. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm out. There she is. She's back. Um, so today I am drinking an urban artifact stegosaurus. <laughs> as well as I have a urban artifact squeeze box. <laughs> Man's goes there once and he becomes a slut for urban artifacts. I'm going to get a sponsorship. I swear to God, I'm calling him tomorrow. Bitch, you know who's sponsoring us. Hey, there's the cat. Uh, yep. yep. Told you. Told you. <laughs> cat will be there. Mark, what you drinking? Cool. Hey, I can't see any of you guys anymore. Your sound is coming through the computer. <laughs> <laughs> How do I fix it? I don't know. We see you, so you're fine. Mm, maybe hey. it's this. <laughs> Technical issues, a hallmark of the drunk riders. You're good. So I am having a beer from our real fake sponsor from False Idol. Hell yeah. OG Buff. Oh yeah. Oh, that's an interesting beer. That's that's a stroker of a beer right there. You're, you're back. Hunter, can you see us again? It's like my connection. <laughs> yeah, it has sucked. It was better when I couldn't. <laughs> I could be asleep, but I'm with you, Jack. Disappointed, like, yeah, I can see you again. (laughs) Wait, so you could hear me? I called James, and I was like, "How do I fix this?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, We could hear you. Hunter's calling me. (laughs) All right. Well, hopefully that doesn't happen again. You're good. You're good. Mike, what are you drinking? I've got a lovely Wegman Springwater. Fantastic. Springwater. Fantastic. Staying hydrated. Uh, Hydrate, right. my friends. I love it. Jonathan, what you got? I've got a beer called Luke, I Am Your Lager. 
by Grainworks Brewing Company. It's a Schwartz beer. That is amazing. Join the dark side, Luke. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Hunter, are you Use the Schwartz? <laughs> Apparently, Jonathan's not staying light sober. <laughs> oh, my God. It'll help you sleep. It'll be all right. That was pretty good, Chad. Thank you. That was pretty good. And yeah, dad jokes. <laughs> Got them all night. It's perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what have, you're drinking. I just have water. Somehow I got invited to this, but I don't like beer. <laughs> I don't drink beer. Oh, it's okay. That's okay. Thanks okay. for having me. We've, we've had- I don't like beer, but she'll drink tap water from the hotel sink. <laughs> Quality was hydrated. In China. <laughs> hotel tap water, Coors Light, it's the same thing. Yeah, yeah, you're basically yeah. There's, there's some Budweiser right there is what you're drinking. We'll just say it's that. <laughs> All right, Chad, James, Brian, what you guys drinking? Well, we're at uh, March 1st Brewery, so I'm drinking uh, their High Point IPA. There you go. All right. Drinking the same thing Chad is. My, my, but the glass of beer that I spilled and broke the glass, <laughs> that was, I only had one sip of it. And I'm fairly <laughs> glad I broke the glass and spilled it. Uh, it wasn't as good. I won't say what it is since I'm talking about it. That was their single barrel series that they, <laughs> <laughs> they had it roasting for 300 years. Right. <laughs> Thomas Jefferson put it in barrel. It was the last 16 ounces. That's not mold, it's character. Uh, all right, Brian, what you got? I've got, uh, it's actually like my favorite beverage. Uh, it is called Red Cream Soda. It's Astra, uh, their seltzer that they brew here. And uh, I don't know, man. It just hits different. It's, it's like it's like candy. March first oh, really? has <laughs> legit seltzers. Yeah. They're all they really like, good. They like they like win awards all like all over the place. So I don't know. It's 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 just too good not to get when you come here. So oh, there's nothing wrong with that. Hey. Seltzer. We got water, two waters, seltzer, and a bunch of beer. I'll take that. Well, I got sour, so kind of a beer. <laughs> I'm almost done with this bottle, by the way. This is great. Jeez. Did you? I got. Um, there was an urban artifact beer that I got a while back. Um, I don't. It was like called. It wasn't astronaut food. It was something like that. That they build as being the world's most expensive beer, because mm-hmm. I guess it used such a large quantity of fruit that it was. It was not the most expensive to buy. It was the most expensive to make. <laughs> <laughs> I, I saw that, Brian. Don't worry. Mm-hmm, <laughs> Got over here laughing. It's okay. That's it. <laughs> I mean, it was definitely not the most expensive to buy. Otherwise, I would not have bought it. <laughs> now, now we got to know what was the cost, though. Do you remember? No, I don't remember. It was, it was, it was like thirty bucks for a four pack of six ounce cans. I think. Nah, it's not that expensive. Did yeah. you like it? No. <laughs> it wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. It was not a beer like experience though. It was like it was like drinking like a, a dense wine. Smoothie, like a melted smoothie? It, I mean, it was it, it, I don't know. It was like drinking wine jelly or something. Um it was an interesting experience that I don't regret having, but uh would not seek out again. Anyhow, 
you're going to cut that because Urban Artifact is your sponsor, and you should not air that, right? <laughs> I don't know what they're talking about. It's okay, False Idol's been sponsoring us for five years now. Sponsor. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Hey, I get discounts. So. Yeah, you alone when you go to Texas. Yeah. <laughs> I, on the other hand, get n- nothing. Hey, listen, when they have a very limited amount of barrel age, I still got one held for me. So, you know, that doesn't it, pays mean, to, you know. it pays to be a simp, I guess. There, That's there my motto. There. <laughs> 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 New title of the episode, it pays to be a simp. <laughs> Welcome to Gravity Group. <laughs> Oh man! So I'm glad all of you can join uh, our lovely Discord and see the our rambunctious uh, crew of Buzzbars, folks. Um, the clown fiesta that it is. Yes, yes. You guys thought we were a little wild in person. Well, a little bit. Yeah. I don't know how wild you thought we were, but we. Yes, the Discord is unfiltered rage. It's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> it is an entertaining volley. Um. So, uh, thank you guys all for joining us, and uh, most of you for drinking. Hunter, I'm not going to hold it against you. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, So, we got a metric ton of questions, but uh, number one, why uh, did you hire uh, Brian? (laughs) (laughs) I think that's the question. To be honest, I'm going to be completely honest, because his son is in my uh, wife's uh, preschool class. Mm-hmm. That's the only reason. That's it. That's where it ends. He's yeah. He's still a probationary employee. <laughs> yeah, as soon as his kid goes to kindergarten, he's out. <laughs> oh man! I got like three more months. Yeah, I know. Hey, hey, there we go. It's not a contract to hire. It's just a contract, my guy. Hi, <laughs> No, well, that, I mean, that's honestly how we got in touch with each, with each other. It was because his son's in my wife's uh, preschool class. She's a teacher. But, um, but yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> there was actually an interview and, and all that. We went through the, the, the process. And, uh, yeah, we needed uh, some project management help and a little bit of on-site management help. And, and uh, he's been helping with both for the last year, so it's good. I love it. I've heard nothing but great things. And he, he texts me all the time. I appreciate it. <laughs> the random gravity group to, uh, talk uh, that me and uh, Brian have are pretty legendary. <laughs> all right. So a lot of questions in there. Uh, did you guys, number one, uh, since most of you were in there, did you have any questions that you really just spoke to you, you felt? You just wanted to answer with, with some, some um, furiosity. Some <laughs> some, uh, something out there. You're like, you know what? This is a question I want. You guys take that one. Fantastic. Me, me, I, I, I didn't get in there a lot and read them. I, I, Brian, that's the other reason we hired him. He's my personal uh, dictator. So like, when he reads things, he speaks it to me, so I don't have to read it myself. <laughs> so I don't mean dictator like a ruler. I mean dictator like... like. <laughs> Little do we know, the real owner. That's right. Brian. Yeah, a, lot, a lot of Freudian slips from Chad today, talking about being the owner of the Gravity Group and dictator, and uh, we'll see. Um, no, I thought there were several really good questions, but part of me wants to just kind of see how things go, and, and if there's more at the end, we'll we'll start talking, right? Uh, um, oh, that's how it goes. I'm, yeah. I'm here for it. I'm here for it. Listen, Jonathan, you, you speak in my mind. That's why I like you. <laughs> 
Um, so, Chad, this one's really for you. When 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 Gravity Group started, it was an interesting start, right? So, can you give us yeah. a little bit of a little lay down of kind of how that all came together for you? Uh, yeah. Um, try to keep this short. <laughs> Cracks open another beer. <laughs> yeah, I probably go back. I'll, I'll have one more. All right, let's yeah. go. <laughs> um, well, you know, obviously the four of us that started the Gravity Group, Larry, uh, Corey, Mike, and I, we were the engineering team at Custom Coasters. Custom Coasters went out of business. Uh, that that very day, the same day Denise Din Larrick told us uh, that we were done, uh, we went to the to a bar that was about a mile up the road and uh, got a few beers. So fittingly enough, we're talking about this here. The Gravity Group <laughs> kind of started over a few beers at a bar and uh, I think it was called The Avenue and um, said, what are we going to do? And we kind of unanimously agreed right there that we didn't want, either we didn't want to or we didn't feel we were capable of actually getting employed at a real engineering job. <laughs> and so, so we said, let's just, we want to keep doing what we're doing. And uh, really the only way we kind of saw that we could make that happen was to start our own company. Um, it was one, uh, about six weeks later, uh, we had the Gravity Group formed. Uh, and then, you know, we had plenty of contacts in the industry from custom coasters. And so we let those parts know what was going on. And um, we didn't get you know, anything, any work right away. We, um, you know, we got a couple small contracts. Uh, one of our first small jobs was we helped Knott's Berry Farm smooth out their first valley on Ghost Rider. Um, and then we got some, we actually got some gigs uh, detailing steel for a, a couple, for a restaurant chain <laughs> and uh, just to, you know, just to earn money. And, uh, and then in 2004 at the IAPA show, uh, Nicholas Garris from Mount Olympus, came to our booth and you know uh the guy was building a roller coaster down the street from him a new wooden coaster uh with you know with denise because she had gone to sns and uh, he's like i want to just crush him i want to just <laughs> i want to just do something 10 you know just twice as big as his as this guy's coaster and uh just crush him and so that was hades of course and yeah. uh so that was our first uh, full coaster design project as a gravity group. And, uh, you know, fast forward a few years, we have our own trains and then we start our own construction. And uh, that was 2011. And then here we are. Wow. <clears throat> I think a lot of people knew the fallout, but didn't know that uh, you did restaurant change stuff. So Yeah, we, hey. yeah there, was a, there was a local steel fabrication company that, provided the steel for a lot of these restaurants and, and, uh, they're like, Hey, you know, they could use some uh, detailing help if you have some time. <laughs> we got nothing but time. I, <laughs> I, I took a job designing greenhouses for a year while we waited to get some coaster work. Uh, so, you know, if you need any greenhouses, <laughs> let me know. <laughs> I might know a guy. Hold on. Sorry. This is a beer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, I went the wrong right. No, again, hey, 30 minutes about Lunchables, you're good. <laughs> I'm, I'm true. I'm, I'm, I'm starting to think of my side hustle up here in Michigan. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, yeah, your boy Mark over here is also an engineer. He works at Ford, so if you guys have any openings, he'd love to leave that hellish landscape. Not good. It's not too bad. Maybe. Just putting words in my man's mouth, right? <laughs> that requires moving. That's true. Hey, do you guys offer remote work? Yeah, that remote work is at a job site. <laughs> Mark, I'm just saying, I'm looking out for you, man. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. So when did – so obviously you worked on Hades. Hades is a, a very, very good ride. But when did uh, Talk of Voyage really come together for you guys? Mm. Oh, I mean, it was right after Hades. Right, It opened uh, one year after Hades opened. Um, so – um, you know, we we had obviously through Custom Coasters had a good relationship with Holiday World and Will Cook, and um, and you know he even I think even before Custom Coasters went under and we started the Gravity Group, I think he was already thinking about a third Woody, and um, and you know so they we didn't have a way to build a ride, you know we had to we were just an engineering company when we started, um, so you know we are we had to rely on the park. Uh, but they came through with, you know, they, they bought all the materials directly. They hired the labor directly. Um, and, uh, you know, we just supplied the engineering. Um, but, you know, it, it was pretty, it wasn't, I think we were probably in the midst of Hades uh, when Will Cook approached us. And, um, you know, he, he knew then he wanted it to be, you know, just a huge monumental uh, coaster. And he was also very involved in the design. In fact, he he asked us, you know, for the for the record if his name could be on the engineering team and the design team. So I, I don't know where that's published, but somewhere it's published that the designers of the voyage are the Gravity Group and Will Cook, which is kind of cool. That is really cool. That is cool. Yeah. And because uh, he did, he had a ton to do with it, and uh, he his input was all over that ride, and. Um, yeah. And it was, you know, I just remember the, the first time he, he invited us to the park to kind of walk the site and it was all just trees. Right. And, and we we're walking around in the woods <laughs> and Mike Graham is kind of our de facto photographer. I mean, he's he's really into cameras and photography. And so he had the camera and he is, you know, it was really to take pictures of the site and, you know, so that we could reference them later. But he we were all kind of just taking a break and sitting down. <laughs> at the base of some trees, but he took the picture. So just Corey and Larry and I were in the picture and that kind of became one of our early um, marketing photos, but Michael wasn't in it. So we Photoshopped him in it, but it was such an amateurish job. <laughs> He's like peeking out behind a tree. <laughs> and it, it's in a, He's leaning over in a manner that you can't even imagine how a person could really stand at that angle. I mean, it's like smooth criminal leaning. And it's, <laughs> and, and it's so funny. <laughs> and, Wait, uh, why is there I not mean, a framed like, copy of this in the office? What's that? Pretty sure it was on the website for like a decade. For a we while. need a copy. Yeah. Everybody should already have a framed copy because they printed it out and hung it in their living room. <laughs> now, now I got to find this photo. It's a you got to find that picture because it's... <laughs> <laughs> it, yeah, it looks like a like a band like a album cover and it's, it's, uh, except for the photoshopped mike graham that's <laughs> true yeah it's really good like we're not even it's looking very at the camera it's avant-garde like, uh, yeah, <laughs> like, 
<laughs> that is incredible. <laughs> that is fantastic. I would love to see that photo. <laughs> Mark? <laughs> yes? Mark, come on. Speak up, what? big boy. You're good. <laughs> oh, wait, no, I'm not on mute. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this dude's been muted this whole time. Yeah, oh, that would be so funny if I was just sitting here, like, making comments and talking and <laughs> being on mute the whole time. Um, no, but, you know, we're talking about Voyage. How long was the development of the whole ride? Uh, it wasn't terribly long because, like I said, I think it was – you know, probably the the winter while we were doing construction on Hades, um, you know, so the the winter of, you know, early, like January of 05 is probably when we really started getting into a lot of discussions and it opened in spring of 06. So the whole project for as big as it is, was really like a year and a half from beginning to end. And, um, there was a lot of design build when you're building 6,400 feet of track, you know, when you, when you start setting the first structure, you've got a lot of months before you have to really design and figure out the other part of the structure. And so <laughs> it, it kind of, it, you know, it, it went that way. We, we did it in chunks. It's like, well, we got this part designed. No idea what that part at the other end is going to do yet, but let's go ahead and start building this, you know, and the lift hill and the station and stuff. You, you That's the first stuff you got to figure out. So, you know, you get, you get that done. Um, and you got a a little bit of time and a lot of our first projects and and sometimes still, uh, current projects work a little bit that way where it's design build and, um, you know, cause off seasons are getting shorter and shorter, especially with Mm -hmm. Halloween events and Christmas events. We, We have less and less time to do construction and, um, and fortunately, I guess that parks are getting wise to that fact and, and are planning out jobs kind of two years ahead of time instead of one. But it used to just be one, one year. Like you'd sign a contract at IAPA and you're supposed to have the ride open in May. And, uh, you know, just, that was the old school way of doing it. And fortunately, we weren't under that time constraint for Voyage. Um, but still, for its size, it was a pretty quick project. What yeah. was the what was the shortest turnaround you you had on any uh, any ride? Probably fun spot. That one we we they came to us at the convention. It was like a month later in Dece- in December when we signed the contract, and that's when design started. And we opened that ride in what early June, I think. Oh, wow! So that was probably our quickest one, and that you know it's not a huge ride, but it's not one of our smallest ones either. It's it was. So that was probably our quickest one that I can think of. Yeah, a lot of interesting design work on that one too, with the metal going over the station, so or the uh, the barrel roll going over the station. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Not a simple out and back or anything. Yeah, no, it was not. I I always told people when we built that ride that you know, despite the height, it actually had the highest forces of any ride we had done to date, um, G force wise, um, which I got to figure out because I'm the train guy. So. <laughs> <laughs> What's what's the highest force on it? I don't I don't think I know that number. Oh, I don't know. We're not going to that. Yeah. <laughs> You're good. It's it's high. I appreciate it. Yeah, the highest force is when it opened or now. Um, <laughs> the answer is sixty four, but we're not going to tell you what units of measurement. Yeah. <laughs> oh oh, I found a picture of you, Jonathan. I'm gonna go. Don't worry. Google's the thing. 
Uh, <laughs> so, so I want to ask with Hades. Um, so when that came about, how did the corkscrew, how was that conversation had to add a corkscrew and just like those changes on that ride? How'd that come to be? Okay. Um, so the, we had been developing the corkscrew just sort of internally for our own purposes for a while. Uh, just kind of hoping, you know, we find the right client and the right coaster to incorporate it into. And um, that that year, uh, Nick Lascaris had contacted us to um, to lower the hill on the turnaround because during the really cold early spring months, uh, they would you know they would stick a train up there, it wouldn't make it over, mm-hmm. um, and and they got tired of having to winch the train over to finish the thing. So they're like, let's just uh, lower this hill like ten feet so that in the you know in the cold winter or cold you know spring Wisconsin days that it would like get it around the first time and not get it stuck. And so we were in the process of doing that. And uh, that was the same year that Rocky Mountain uh, was doing uh, the Colossus, which which had an inversion. And um, am I getting that right? Is that right? No, it was Outlaw Run. Or Outlaw whatever. Run, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, that one too. <laughs> I'm no historian or enthusiast, so I get all this stuff wrong all the time. <laughs> Okay, so Rocky Mountain was doing what they were claiming was going to be a wooden inversion. And um, so we kind of got talking amongst ourselves, like, you know, maybe if we're doing work on the turnaround of Hades anyway, he's already committed to do that. We're already in the process of tearing down some of the structure. You know, let's call him up and see if he's game. And so we called him. And we started off with, hey, you know, uh, we're already doing work for you on this turnaround. And um, we were kind of just thinking. And before I could get it out of my mouth, he said, we're going to go upside down. (laughs) Yep, that's exactly what I was going to say. And he's like, absolutely, let's do it. And so we did it. We shifted gears, changed direction, and uh, put in the inversion. Ah, gracias. It is funny how many of these elements kind of sit in the pocket for years and years and years. I mean, we're, we're coaster nerds, right? Like we love designing wacky things for our rides. And some of these things have, have just sat in our back back pocket for years, waiting for the right customer to say like, yes, this is what I want to do. Like we're waiting on somebody to pull the trigger on the jump track. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, it's like a 54 leap you know, in, in, in midair. Yeah, none of that Donkey Kong stuff. Like, yeah. <laughs> none of this upper rail stuff. Yeah, it can't look like it. Actually, got to go. Yeah, got to have a leap. Just waiting for somebody to, you know, bite. I think it's going to be huge. So speaking of those, el- those things kind of in the back of your head, what's the one that you're most proud of that came about? Um, like either the corkscrew, like that you were really excited to put in. You know, I think of like dueling dragons at Happy Valley with that high five that has always jumped yeah. in my head. So the high five is one of my favorite uh, favorites. In fact, that coaster is one of my favorite designs that we've done. I, that one, it was a. It's one thing when it's a racing coaster. Not that we had designed a racing coaster up to that point, but a racing coaster is easy because. They're the same layout, maybe mirror image, right? But this mm-hmm. had elements of racing, elements of dueling, and 
And so it was pretty cool. We had, we had to develop a way to work out the timing because mm-hmm. we hadn't had to really do that on any other coaster. And um, we didn't really know in real life how well it was going to work. And then when we we wrote it the first when I wrote it the first time, it was like exactly like we designed it, and the trains came in almost exactly at the, in the break run at the end at the same time. So that was pretty cool. The high five was definitely. I mean, I know the question was about like the elements, and um, yeah. So the a high five is one of my favorite things. Honestly, just doing the first ninety on Hades, that was kind of the one that maybe moved me the most when I went to the site and walked down in that tunnel and saw it um, because it was like, I don't know, just, well, that's the first one. And it was only 90 degrees. And when you think about an inversion now, it's like, well, just 90, that's nothing. But yeah, you know, that was, and that was our first coaster as a gravity group too. So to have done that on the first coaster that we yeah. did as the gravity group was, I don't know. It was, it was a little emotional. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We won't tell you them. Uh, we'll say any way that you guys cried. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's nothing wrong with crying. Hey, listen. I mean, I remember the old school days of watching like, on forums, watching Hades announcement and like the construction. Everyone just bl- losing their mind of like, how are they building this under a parking lot like this? And I think that's probably the first time I talked to Marcus too when he made some inappropriate comment to me for the first time. Um, <laughs> that sounds a hundred percent right. Best friends ever since. <laughs> yeah, it's wild. So many of our rides have like that unique element about them, right? Like something that's unique to only that ride, just unlike anything else. The Hades Tunnel, and I mean, like Twister being on top of a building, and all. I mean. It seems like every job has that one like quirk, right? Yeah. That uh, forces you to do something different that you've never done before, mm-hmm. and that's that ends up being what you remember most about the ride. Mm-hmm. Love it, and that makes in a lot of cases most unique. So, speaking of Hunter, since she's talking a lot, um, <laughs> Hunter um, <laughs> with Bobcat, what's one of the fun, fun thing, quirky things that you guys are doing up there? Wearing ears, you know, all the time. I literally, I, I was going to say, like, as soon, I think about Bobcat specifically, I was just so excited when they announced that the name and theme was Bobcat. I don't know if anyone anyone else was as excited as me. no idea. It was intense. I mean, (laughs) it's just the, it's the perfect name for one of our family rides. I've said this like a million times, but like. I don't, I don't know if there's a term for like. A reverse exorcism, but it was like her spirit <laughs> and entrance. It, it was it was like her spirit animal, like united with her. All right. I mean, yeah, it, I love, like, I love, I love she, that. Like, we, we found out, like you know, we found out. I think we found out well, the like the so closest thing. When time. here's what happened: so, they've hijacked you. They've hijacked you, Hunter. When Corey, <laughs> Corey told Hunter the name, and she turns over to me and she said. James, this is the best name. It's so good. <laughs> like, you know, Six Flags usually names their rides some very similar things, right? Like, why it's so this- good? Like, <laughs> it's unique. It's it gives it its own identity. It's yeah. also like, okay, a bobcat is you know it's not one of the big cats. It's bobcat's nice and compact and small. 
but it's still fierce. That's exactly, that's like the literal description of our family coasters, people. <laughs> it's perfect. I like, this, I still. I really, <laughs> I, still, I really wanted to name it Jungle Trailblazer. <laughs> <laughs> Can't believe no one went for that. Hey, try it seven times, eight times a charm. All right. That's really. <laughs> I just think it's also really cool to be able to do a new ride at a smaller park. Um, I always grew up like caring about smaller parks more. I mean, that's what I, I'm personally more interested in. I like visiting the smaller parks. Um, I've personally not ever been to Great Escape, but like when we found out that we got that project, it's just like you know it's going to be exciting for them and that they care about it a lot because it's really big for them. Um, yeah. And I think that's that's probably one of the, the things that excites me the most about this project. Besides the name, of course, which is going to be great. <laughs> Still waiting for the merch yeah, line. I should have like sent yeah, them all my ideas. But... <laughs> We've hired yeah, a, guy, a guy named name Robert Katz to show up at the grand opening and um, give the inauguration <laughs> If Hunter's there, I'm hiring a guy. And there it is. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah, when's the last time Great Escape actually built a new ground-up roller coaster? It's been 87 years. <laughs> it feels like it. Yes. Um, I mean, I think the, the moving the Comet to the park was their last... Oh my gosh! Well, I, really? I mean, coast. Well, now, now I got to see. What? Well, that little mine train. Yeah, the, I think that was mine train. The major installation. Yeah, but yeah, comet would have been right up there. Um, which thanks a lot because I went there this summer and I was like, oh, I'll never have to come back here again. And now I got to <laughs> go back. So thanks, guys. Now you have to go to Great Escape. My yeah, wife does the same thing. So we we went to. Um, my dad used to live in uh, Troy, New York, which isn't too far from. It's kind of in between Lake George and Albany. Yeah. And uh, I went up to visit him. My wife and I, did, well, she was my girlfriend at the time. We went up to visit my dad and spent like a week at his place. And we, uh, my dad was a photographer on a dinner cruise boat. And um, so we went on the dinner cruise boat. And, you know, he's doing his photographer thing. But me and my wife, we're just getting free drinks because, you know, we're with the photographer. And, I mean, we took advantage of the free drinks. <laughs> the next day, we went to Great Escape. And, and, and she, uh, we rode the boomerang. And at the top of, you know, we went forward and we went up the thing. And she looks over at me and she's like, <laughs> she held it in her mouth the whole backwards trip. Oh, no. <laughs> until they let us off the coaster, and then she barfed over the railing of the station. <laughs> she hasn't been back to this park since then. <laughs> oh my so, god, we can't wait. <laughs> take Drama, Meg, take notes. Oh my god, well, no, that's the thing. Meg actually did that on laugh track. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly what she did. <laughs> Oh my god, that's funny! Oh man! Yeah. All right, well, I got another question, and oh, wait, you, I, I do. I do want to dart in and interrupt you real quick because I love you, uh, Frankie. Frankie's <laughs> mine train, by the way. Last new ride at Great Escape, so everybody knows that. Uh, Sam Perlin did that one. Yeah, Steph, yeah. Two thousand five. It's a great year. Except okay, no good. one's allowed to ride it because we're all too See, tall. Yes, I don't have a good point. Well, Bobcat is Bobcat is an amazing name. 
Frankie's is. mind train. It is. Yeah, Frankie's mind train is also an amazing name. So. <laughs> My God. The front of the Bobcat train is pretty incredible. Yeah, what was it last year? I think was the year of announcing trains. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I definitely think it's like the best cat themed front that came out in the last couple years. That's my personal opinion. Well said, Jonathan. (laughs) (laughs) I said Leviathan is just an ocean themed cat. The Leviathan front is sweet. Somebody did ask in the comments, somebody asked what our favorite zero cars were, uh, ours or somebody else's, right? Um, And for ours, I think it's got to either be Oscar's Wacky Taxi or Leviathan. Both of those are like, both of those are S tier fronts right there. Come on, James. Um, What about James worked on the lights a lot in Leviathan? Leviathan's pretty cool. They didn't put yeah, the smoke. They didn't, once we got you know, exactly. they didn't implement my smoke effect, so I didn't get points for that. But uh, <laughs> you know, okay. So I just realized I, I couldn't tell where the Leviathan train was kind of like giving me vibes. It's a mix of Falcor from Neverending Story yes! and Smaug from uh, Hobbit. It's like a perfect combination. <laughs> Accurate. Oh my gosh, we should sell them a white version and it could be Falcor. They're going to work on it anyway. That's a good idea. So now I got to see when they came out. Hold on. (laughs) 20th anniversary Falcor. It's older than you think it is for sure. Oh yeah, no, it's you know I have loved it. Some parks have have toyed with the idea of holiday themed trains, uh, just like swap them out. You've got a different theming for part of the year. I was like, that's not a bad idea, actually. Yeah, yeah. Danny at ZDT wanted to do that with Switchback yeah. and put like reindeer on the front. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'm all about idea. it. I, I I think it's a great idea. Yeah, that is awesome. By the way, this will be the 40th anniversary on July 20th. Oh of 1984, that movie came out. Yeah, never-ending story. So I'm gonna go on the phone with uh, <laughs> see if we can get Leviathan painted for one day to celebrate the never-ending story. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> listen, they'll listen to some random American podcast. When, It'll work. Right. When that totally. front was in our shop, like standing, like standing or like sitting right next to it is, it just looks so much like more impressive. I feel like than just it's even massive. seeing it in pictures. Yeah. Cause it's huge. It's like, it's like literally 10 times the size of the Falcons flight, like Falcons flight front. Yeah. It's uh, it's huge. <laughs> literally. Literally. <laughs> uh, Chad, do you have a favorite uh, zero car you got out there? Oh, it's Leviathan. He's well, okay. I got to look at, um, I agree with Jonathan. Wacky Taxi and Leviathan, and but it's from two different perspectives. But Leviathan is just because of what it is. It's just <laughs> so cool. Wacky Taxi was because of the process, because we had to work with Sesame Workshop to okay. develop it. Um, and they said, "Okay, have your you know." We work with a local uh, fiberglass artist that, that does all this fiberglass artwork for us, and. Um, they, we asked him to make us like a one third scale sculpt of Oscar out of clay. And he did. And he showed it to us. And I'm like, that's awesome. That looks great. And we presented it to the Sesame workshop and they're like, okay, no, we're going to have to change some things. 
And we're like, oh, thinking like, okay, yeah, that can't be much. I mean, looks like Oscar. And, you know, they gave us some recommendations. And then, um, you know, we kept re-sculpting the sculpt and re-sculpting and re-sculpting. And they, they got it to a point where they're like, okay, now make a full size. And so at that point, we did the, the you know, our process is kind of we make a, a foam, styrofoam plug, we call it, a model of, of the thing. Um, and we can carve on it. We can add clay to it. So we did that and we kept modifying and modifying. And it, it went, it seemed like it went on forever. I mean, it, and they were so picky and we were like, can you just give us a 3d digital model of this thing? Of like <laughs> what this head should look like. And they're like, no, we work in 2d sketches, hand-drawn sketches. That's all they would do because they're Sesame workshop. Right. So they're, you know, they've got their process and they're kind of old school and they're sticking with it. And so we just kept, you know, they kept giving us these 2d hand sketches and we had to keep modifying the sculpt and, and they were getting picky. Like they're like, they're like, okay, his left eyebrow, the one curl, the one that's sticking up. No, not that one. This, yeah, that one, it needs to curl up a little more. Also his pupils are about a 16th of an inch too big. <laughs> I mean, it was getting down to crazy stuff and we're like kind of getting frustrated. I mean, we're under you know, schedule, right? And yeah. it's getting a little frustrating and we're just having to continue to modify it. Finally, we get it. Everybody's happy. Uh, there was some work on the fur, like the fur needs to look furrier, even though it's fiber, shiny fiberglass, it's still <laughs> got to look like Muppet fur. And and finally we get it right and we get it done and we got we got the old sculpt the original sculpture out that we thought was so awesome and we looked at the two and it's like this one on the the real thing looks like oscar i mean it looks like him it's like recognizing a person like yep that's him we looked wow. at that one-third scale original sculpt and it's like okay that's like otis crouch <laughs> <laughs> It's like his cousin, you know, <laughs> kind of looks like him, but it's not him, obviously. <laughs> and and so, Dollar so, Tree Oscar. <laughs> <laughs> Where's Oscars? <laughs> but yeah, awesome. so that, that process was, I mean, it, it, the, when you're in it, it was frustrating and it was tedious. But looking back, it was so cool to have worked with, with Sesame Workshop and to develop that and get it right and, you know, make yeah. it awesome so turns out hard work yields good results (laughs) but the somebody was asking about our process for doing the uh the front cars and and that's kind of how it works like generally um when we're doing a themed front for our zero car um the park will come to us and they'll have some kind of conceptual idea of what they would like for the front so they generally dictate the artistic direction and parks resources vary greatly, right? Some people are like, eh, I kind of want something like this or maybe something like that. And then we get to run with it. And some parks are like the Sesame parks where it's, you know, 
they have a very clear vision of what it needs to be, and they're able to work with us throughout the whole process. An example of the former there where the parks where they don't really know, we just put He-Man on the front of Kukulin, So <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Don't tell them. Don't tell them. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, now I got to go to Hold on. I got to find it. <laughs> yeah. So we generally, what we do on our end at the Gravity Group is we'll <laughs> – <laughs> That's me, man. Yeah. <laughs> I was talking. To, we, didn't, we didn't say anything. We, don't worry. We don't oh have anybody. God. <laughs> we don't have anybody from England. Uh, listen, you're good. <laughs> or Ireland. There, it's close enough. Sorry, guys. Don't worry about it, man. Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, it's he, man. <laughs> <laughs> it was either that or Fabio. I couldn't. I couldn't decide. <laughs> close. So. Fabio was Haiti. It was um. No, sorry. Uh, never mind. <laughs> He's, he wants to tell you about the bird incident. Redacted. <laughs> no, the um, yeah. zero car. So, like, generally, like, we'll come up with like a rough mo- rough model of it, and we'll figure out how it mounts to the structure of our car. Mm-hmm. And then we pass it along to our creative person who does the actual – so, like, it's an external vendor of ours who will do the fiberglass molding and make it look beautiful, mm-hmm. right? Like, we're not artists at our company. We basically are concerned with getting the general shape right, um, making sure that it mounts safely to our ride vehicle. And then we're kind of the middleman that helps our artist collaborate with the park and their artistic team to make sure they're coming up with a cohesive vision that we can, we can implement. There you go. There you go. That's how it happens. That's how the magic happens. I'm, I'm here for it. Well, that's awesome. And everything y'all have just described the past 10 minutes or so is like 60% of my job at work. <laughs> just <laughs> dealing with people that are like, Oh, let's, let's adjust the surface like a 10th of a millimeter. It'll, it'll make it look a little bit thinner. <laughs> Yeah, and it seems ridiculous at first, but in the end, they're right. You know, it yeah. works. Yeah. They know what they know. These characters, they know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they know exactly what they're going for, and they know how to get it. And, yes, yeah. I agree. So, Mark, I interrupted you. I think ten minutes ago. Go ahead, bud. And uh... <laughs> jeez, what was that question I was going to ask? Um, so, y'all don't have to state explicit numbers or anything, but which of your rides has the strongest airtime and why is it Rorosaurus? He's <laughs> <laughs> got a point. Well, the mountain air is thinner, so the train goes faster. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay, so, so I'm just I don't do... know which of our rides has the strongest air time. I don't know. Maybe the Zip and Pippin. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I haven't been on that one yet, but I do know that it has that one crazy airtime hill. Yeah. A, a hill. Yeah, yeah. okay. I'm just going to come out. Of, it, it, Brian has been begging me to ask this question. Oh, and I'm, gonna, yeah, I'm here for it. So, Brian, you're welcome. Wait, hold on, hold on. Brian, rough? Brian, you want to 
Yeah, he's rough. Oh wait, Chad just Chad just stepped out yeah, for a second. Yeah, oh man, Chad's getting around for everybody. Yeah, he's getting a <laughs> shot. All right, Not for well, anything. Okay, real quick. Let's if you want us to spill the beans on Chad, now's the time, right? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what's it? I'll ask you guys, and then you guys can talk, and then when he gets back, you guys can film it. What's a uh, classic old wooden coaster that no longer exists that you guys would love to revitalize and bring back? Oh, yeah. I, I got one for you guys. Hold on. Hunter would play Tumblebug if this was about a flat ride. No, we, we need a separate segment on Tumblebug, Brian Ruff. Um, <laughs> um, oh, wait, hold on. That's a great choice. That's a classic choice. I mean, you, yeah, you, you joke, but like uh, some of these rides, like, I don't know, like the Silver Comet or like Great White or something, like, I wouldn't mind working on those. As far as oh, ones, yeah. as um, far as credits, rides right? that don't exist. Wait, what was that? Yeah, like like I would love to bring Screech and Eagle back from Americana. Oh my gosh! Mm-hmm. Yeah, like recreate Screech and Eagle. Find a way to put buzz bars on it. <laughs> um, no, I don't know. I mean, I I don't know how seriously we can answer that question in all honesty, but because we we got we're trying to work with parks, we're trying to make things happen, right? Yeah. Um, but but there are plenty of rides, right? Like there are plenty of rides, especially the old CCI rides that are starting to show their age now. Um, and it's all a question of, do we want to come in and do we want to kind of restore them to what they were like when they opened, which is what some parks want, or do we want to come in and tweak them a little bit and kind of bring them up to modern standards, uh, get rid of a helix or something, you know, bring the speed up. Lower some hills, get some more airtime in it. So it kind of comes down to what what the park wants their ride to be after we work on it, you know? Yeah. But maybe Chad has a short list. I don't know. <laughs> what was the question? The boss, maybe. Uh, any older rides, uh, maybe CCI rides or other existing rides that you'd like to see get the Gravity Group treatment? Or defunct rides. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to say any defunct rides because I already told you I'm not a historian. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, I don't know. Um, yeah, I mean the the boss has plenty of track to work with. It'd be kind of fun. Yeah, boss would be a good uh, one. Scream an eagle at the same park. Can't leave Scream an eagle don't- out. Yeah. Don't, don't say that out loud. Somebody may find you because Scre- <laughs> Screaming Eagle is apparently sacred in those lands. <laughs> I love Screaming Eagle. It's one of my favorites. <laughs> it's, it's, it's I want a it good preserved. Ride. It could just use more airtime. I mean, I thought Screaming Eagle was the best co- best wooden coaster at that park. So I'll just <laughs> I'll just stick with my guns right there. Um, <sighs> I mean, Shivering Timbers would be awesome from a very subtle change. Like I wouldn't want to re- oh, yeah. redo anything, but except just reshape some hills. Mm-hmm. I mean, all in all, leave it like it is, but just sculpt it a little better. And my dream would be really. to just put engineered pre-cut track on 100 percent of Shivering Timbers, oh, and that ride that ride would be solid gold for decades. That'd be a lot. Let me let me just give you a proposition <laughs> real quick. I'm just going to throw it out there. Um, the turnaround. Get that turned around, haha, and uh, put the Hyperion dive loop 
drop on there, and uh, let's just turn and burn and have a good time on that one. I love Shimmering Timbers. Marcus, you shut your mouth right there. <laughs> Proposition accepted. <laughs> there we go. Go no, talk to the park. Yeah. No, for real, though. Like, so we, we got to go to Michigan's Adventure. Like, we got to go to Michigan's Adventure this past summer, and so Marcus and I had been there a few times before together. And, you know, we thought of, Shivering Timbers has always been a, a decent ride. You know, it it's not the best. It, it's not like Voyage, but it's still a decent ride. Trash. And then we got to ride it this past summer after you guys, you know, got to work on those first couple hills. First oh, my half, God. First half of the second hill. <laughs> Ten minutes. Yeah. Bet 68 to bet 78. <laughs> completely changed the ride for the better. Okay. <laughs> oh yeah, no, it got it got significantly better. I was like, "Ooh, this ride would be great if they finished out the, <laughs> the other five thousand six hundred." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Took Come out on, that Michigan's adventure. Pull the trigger. Make it happen. Make I it don't happen. know. I've got I've got a handful of steel coasters that I'd really like. We've been doing some R and D at the Gravity Group, and I really want to install our new um, coaster veneer, which is wooden topper track for steel coasters. I think it's going to be a big hit. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, hey, I'm all about it. I, there's some coasters that you use that. It's really just wood grain contact paper. That's all it is. Wait, <laughs> <laughs> so John- rails going around. Yeah. It's like, whoops! I built too many box track, you know, hyper coasters in my park. What do I do with them? They all feel the same. <laughs> you should cut that. You should cut that. That's not official. That was not officially coming from the Gravity Group. Oh. <laughs> 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 oh, <laughs> incredible! Anyhow, good times. Uh, wooden coaster veneer, consider it. Uh, you know, yeah. Hey, you listen. Know, speak, speaking of that, what's y'all's opinion on trim brakes? Well, <laughs> we avoid trim brakes at all costs. Yes. <laughs> we, <laughs> yeah, I mean, if, if a trim brake is on a coaster, uh, a gravity group coaster at least, I mean, either either something horrible happened or, like, it, you know, we, it wasn't our choice. So, I mean, obviously, in, court, in the case of a free train operation, you have to have a mid-course brake, and typically mm-hmm. Voyage is a good example. That, that mid-course brake will get used to trim off some speed for the second half. Um, you know, we would love it if they just would run it with, you know, not trim it at that spot if, if you know, they don't ever run three trains. But, um, but yeah, I mean, our philosophy is if, if you, you know, you design the ride to get from beginning to end just on its own with no, you know, no, you know it's gravity fed and you don't try to slow it down. You design it for the energy it has the whole way through. And, um, you know, I like uh, Timber at Wallaby Run Alps has a, a break just a little bit before the break run. I think before the last hill, before the break run. And, you know, that's a, that was just a function of that thing. It, it was a really short break run and um, it was just hitting the uh, pinch break. The pinch breaks at the end of the magnetic break run, it was hitting those pinch breaks a little too hard, a little too often uh, mm-hmm. with the heavier train. 
and it was wearing the fins pretty good. And so they wanted to slow it down so that when it got to the end of the mag brakes, it would just bump into those pinch brakes a lot uh, softer and cut down a wear. So that was added later. And um, that's the only example I can think of of a where we have anything, any brake in the course of the ride that's not a mid-course brake for the sake of you know, block zones. By the way, Bobcat is very similar to Timber, so you know it's going to be hauling. Yeah, so we're going to also put a, a, a nonsense brake right at the end of that one, too. Just for, fun. <laughs> for homage, to pay homage. Yes. <laughs> to, our, to our French brethren, they needed That's that. Right. <laughs> in honor of their sacrifices in World War II, pitch break. Oh, right before the break. God. Yes. Uh, yeah. The reverse launch, as we call it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Brian, you've been oh, waiting so for this question. What, right? what, what do you mean I'm fired, Chad? <laughs> Why is that text? Hold on. HR is messaging me. Hold on. What HR? <laughs> I mean, you know, Corey. Right. We we have a robust and multi-layered HR system at the Gravity Group Hunter, and you know it. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> okay, I'm going to ask the question, and then you know we'll, we'll just go from there. That's not the a Timberliner trains. Are trains that are on this planet um, for someone like me? They are not on my upper tier train list. Um, favorite rolling stock right here. Okay, so I love them. I think they're great. Yeah. I'm not being facetious. So, so Brian has been asking me all week to be like, "Are you going to talk about Timberliners? Are you going to talk about Timberliners?" I did not ask you. <laughs> Wait, I, say, I got receipts. Right here. Go. <laughs> go go to the very first receipt. <laughs> so, <laughs> very first receipt. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, okay. <laughs> very awkward. You know, they do have a bit of a polarizing. Um, they're a little polarizing. <laughs> Is there a better way to ride a Timberliner for it to be more enjoyable? That's a horrible way to phrase a question. <laughs> that's, that's a tough one because it is polarizing, right? I mean, we, you know, it, we're certainly always welcome to listen to feedback, and I mean, the the well, Timberliners. I think maybe there was. Listen, we don't hear. Right? That's true. Maybe there was a. I think maybe the marketing of the Timberliners could have gone a different way. We designed the Timberliners with the the highest priority for those trains was to be as kind to the track as possible, right? And the the goal is if you start out with a glass smooth track when the ride is built, the Timberliners put such little force on the track both because of their weight, because of the single bench, because of the steering system that we've implemented, that that, that ride stays smooth for a long time. We worked really hard to, imp- to reduce the force on the track, to reduce the impact on the track, so that a new smooth ride stays smooth 
for a very, very long time. Right. Um, and on the flip side, you know, uh, for the passenger, right. We worked very hard to make that as comfortable as possible for the widest range of passengers that we could. Um, Anybody who designs restraints will tell you that essentially you're shifting a window of who can comfortably ride your ride. It's very hard to make that window bigger. Um, But what you can do is try to optimize that window for the type of people that you want to be riding your ride, right? The, the, what the height requirement that the park specifies, I guess I should say. Um, And so we kind of came at it from those two ends, right? From, both how can we preserve the state of the track to make sure that the track itself is not getting rough over time, it's saving the park maintenance, and it's not imparting forces onto the passenger through the, the state of the track. But then also, how can we comfortably accommodate really, really small guests um, at the same time as full-grown adults? And, um, and, and that's one of the challenging things. Um, I think another aspect, and then I'll stop talking and let Chad take over here. Um, (laughs) Another aspect that kind of influences design and maybe comes at the cost of comfort is durability and longevity of the trains and the train components and the cushions and things like that. Um, Basically, anything that is soft and cushy and makes your life better as a passenger uh, is a is a super high wear item that is going to make the park's life more miserable and cost them a lot of money and a lot of time and a lot of maintenance. And so there's a balance there, too, um, to figure out how can we keep the, comfort, the passenger as comfortable as we can, but also minimize the maintenance of the uh, for the parks. Well said, Jonathan. You're rehired. <laughs> Welcome back. We'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, and that's ex- that's exactly right. When it, when he alluded to the maybe it could have been marketed better early on when we first developed the trains, we touted the smoothness, and because we knew there was, like he said, on a new track, it would it would keep the track smooth a lot longer than the um, de facto. Uh, you know, kind of go-to trains at the time. And, but what parks tended to take that to mean was that if they had a really rough coaster, they could put our trains on it and it would become smooth. That's not the case. It's, um, <laughs> it's absolutely not the case. When we, uh, if a park comes to us and wants to put timberliners on their coaster, an older coaster, I mean, first thing we do is get accelerometer data and say, and start highlighting areas that they need to get in order you know, before they put our trains on it. Because like Jonathan said, our trains are great at keeping a track smooth. They don't beat the track up, but they're not going to smooth out an already rough track. Uh, In fact, you know, you'll feel just the way they're designed. If it's a rough track with our trains, you feel, you feel it. And maybe more so than, you know, the, the other trains, just because we don't have, you know, six inch thick upholstered cushions on the sides of our trains. And, yeah, and that's intentional. We don't want that. Um, but yeah, it's uh, <laughs> yeah, we probably didn't know uh, what we were getting into when we said we we're going to design our own trains. But we've we've learned a ton since two thousand eight when we started their development, and um, you know, it's uh, we're we're sorry 
I will just add that they're not the worst trains I've been on. So, you know, it's it's on the bottom. We'll send you an apology letter. Yeah, yeah. Signed by the company. It it made me a little uncomfy. So I I was like, like, oh, I don't like this. You can be like, but there's good reason. (laughs) That's right. Those anthropometrics will always get you. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, it does. I mean, in all fairness, the Timberliners have accomplished what we wanted them to do, which is drastically reduce the maintenance that the park has to deal with um, on the track itself. And so, from that point of view, we've we've we're constantly trying to improve our product and trying to make sure that everything is as as good as it can be and utilizing everything we've learned along the way, but. From the beginning to now, they've accomplished exactly what our company intended them to do, which was reduce the maintenance for the park, keep the track lasting longer, reduce the track work, um, save time and effort in the maintenance bay, checking the trains in the morning. Um, and so, you know, we like I said, we we're obviously always trying to improve and and make things better for the passenger for the park for everyone yeah but um, if i could just suggest thicker yeah. pants. <laughs> thicker pants yeah 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 i think really what you need to do is start drinking beer again and you'd have a little more cushion that... <laughs> i'm just saying <laughs> Brian brought up a really good point. It kind of inserted there. I don't know if anybody heard it, but Bobcat will be the first fully engineered pre-cut track coaster with Timberliner trains. And so we're, we're finally at a place where the two will work together. And it's like ideal because if the Timberliner's job is to keep a smooth track smooth, and the engineered pre-cut tracks job is to be smooth from the very beginning, then the two together is is as beautiful as is Mark hiccuping. In the middle. <laughs> I want that as an audio clip that you can just buzz in at any moment throughout podcasts in the future. So random. <laughs> You're saying like the pre-cut track and the Timberliners is like Spider-Man and Kristen Kirsten Dunst in the rain in Spider-Man One, like Toby yeah, that's pretty much it, right there. Fantastic. Okay, I'm, I'm just going to okay. apologize on behalf of my co-host. Uh, <laughs> Don't you dare apologize <laughs> to me, Mark. Sorry, I got the hiccups. <laughs> um, so we we did have a a, a good question actually about uh, lake compounds and Wildcat. Uh, Wildcat have been retracted a number of times, um, and. Uh, that is a, a slight understatement. It's all a number. Um, <laughs> what was the trickiest part about Wildcat and doing the uh, revamp, um, especially compared to what others had done before? I don't understand why they even asked us to work on it. I mean, it was perfect. Like, there was nothing wrong with that ride. And no, I'm kidding. <laughs> all the traits of a hundred year old classic coaster. I mean, what more do you want? Oh, yeah. It was Hunter's favorite. Yeah. Yeah, Hunter. It had a cat in the name, so we were already. <laughs> it's the only Schmeck Wildcat left operating. So there, Brian Ruff. Okay. Well, <laughs> that is true. Yeah. That is no, true. I mean, 
Brian and Hunter can probably tell you more than I can, but I mean, I, I one good thing about our new engineered pre-cut track that we're installing on this ride is so much of the history of wooden coasters and, and refurbishing them are we, we go in, we take measurements on the ride, we give the park adjustments that they need to do to the structure, and then we kind of have to figure out how to make it work. With the new engineered pre-cut track, we can go in, we can take some data points, and we basically recreate the perfect shape according to our dynamic software. And then we ship them the track that's been pre, you know, prefabricated, and that track becomes the stencil that they use, the template that they can adjust the structure to. And obviously, a, a coaster like the Wildcat has a history of all these different manufacturers coming in and doing work on it and the different details that everyone uses um, and the reliability of, of the data that's there is challenging. But the process was made a bit easier simply by having a defined shape that we were able to say, okay, well, no matter what, the structure has to connect to this shape. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think this is the first time that, that the retrack has been a reprofile. I mean, we didn't try to put new track on the same structure. We tore down a significant amount of structure and rebuilt it from the ground up uh, with a different plan and a different profile. And so that's part of it. There's only, you know, you've got, you know, you've got structure, you've got ledgers that are 10 feet apart. And we, we know now that we've known that for 30 years, 40 years, that's a bad idea. And, you know, you want your support, your track supports to be closer together to adequately support the track. Now, now with our pre-cut track, we can start going the other direction and widening up that. Mm. But, you know, if you don't, <laughs> you you can't just put the, the new track on it or retrack it and think it's going to work. Uh, that's, I think they took the step this year to make the big move and, um, and, and really say, let's, you know, let's, let's do what needs to be done to make this right for good. And, uh, it involved, you know, there was a lot of demolition and a lot of rebuilding and, uh, and, but it's, that's a ride that old and a ride that's been worked on that many times. And, and like Jonathan said, a ride that you don't quite know what's even there anymore. Uh, that's kind of the way you got to approach it. So we're glad they, that they took it on and and just made the decision to really nail it this time. So. Yeah, I mean, they, they really <laughs> – we, we always <laughs> offer parks, you know, this is what we would recommend – and this is what you can do to hump to, to kind of like uh, uh, limp along for a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. And it's good in this case that uh, they they really dove all in and wanted to do it right. That's awesome. Um, so something that we've noticed, you know, obviously Leviathan is you know a very large coaster on the other side of the world, but it's been a while since the U.S. has seen a larger scale wooden coaster. And, you know, that's something that a true wooden coaster of a large scale coming in here. Is there, are, are you guys eager because you guys have nailed that family market where, you know, everyone can ride it from three to 80 can ride those, you know, wooden warriors and roar sources. But when are we going to see another big guy? That's not up to us. <laughs> yeah. That's up to somebody with, you know, wants to buy a coaster. But I mean, we're, mar- you know, 
we, we don't pigeonhole ourselves. We don't put ourselves out there as just a family coaster uh, company. Yeah, we, we push that because that's what's been working. Um, you know, we, uh, I, I don't know if some of it is, you know, we respond to what the market wants. And if they want family coasters, then we, we're going to build family coasters. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm sure maintenance of those big woodies um, scares off a lot of parks. And kind of our hope is, you know, we have a 54-foot-tall uh, bobcat going in with pre-cut track. So it's not the smallest of our family coasters. Um, and so hopefully that garners enough attention and people see how smooth it is. And maybe little by little, parks start uh, gaining new confidence mm -hmm. in the wood coaster and their ability to maintain them um, and start revisiting the, the larger ones. By the way, uh, Leviathan's not as big as everybody thinks it is. I, I don't want to. I don't want to speak out of school and uh, throw <laughs> down the, uh, the the Sea World Gold Coast marketing team, but somehow it's gotten out there that Leviathan is Leviathan is 105 feet tall, and I don't know if it's just that the Australians can't do metric to imperial conversion, <laughs> but it's 88 feet tall. Oh wow! Yeah, Ooh. I don't. It, everything you look it up online. Everything, even RCDB, the gold standard of coaster stats, says it's 105 feet tall. Where I go when I'm making all of our marketing materials. <laughs> that's literally, I'm looking at it right now. So that's awesome that you're saying 88. And I'm like, my life is a lie right now. This is <laughs> all the things we've been told. And I, I really don't think it's the park. I don't think the park put it. I, I don't know where it came from. But like somebody, yeah, somebody came to the IAPA booth last year and started asking questions about, you know, it said something about 105. I'm like, 105? It's not 105. And they're like, oh, yeah, look, look. And I look, what? And I couldn't find anywhere that said 88. I had to go back and check our drawings to make sure I wasn't delusional. <laughs> That's hilarious. It's 100% that metric conversion. That's why we crashed the rover on Mars. NASA had the same problem. Anybody yeah. could do it. Crash. You just got to football fields. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> How many adult rhinos does that satellite weigh? Come on. <laughs> How many pop cans tall is it? <laughs> if only we had measured the lift hill in adult rhino lengths, we would have <laughs> New measurement system coming out in 2025. How many hot dogs can you stack on top of each other? <laughs> <laughs> How many layers thick? <laughs> From Cody on hot dog. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Are man. All right. Uh, oh, big stretch. Oh. So I, time? I, I've been <laughs> hurt. Yeah, hey. I've been hearing from I'm gonna um, kick us out of here in a minute. I think. That, so yeah, that's what I was hearing from Brian that uh, yeah. y'all gonna be kicked out soon. So we can let this boy ride, or uh, we could call it a do. It's up to you. That would be a pretty epic ending if they were being carried out by security. <laughs> I'm just saying. Uh, that would be a first for this show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. James. You would go down in the drunk riders' history. Yes. Legend. For being carried out. Somebody asked if we wanted to make our rides out of alternate materials, and uh, now I'm thinking hot dogs, maybe? Like, hey, solid materials. Freeze those board. things? Yeah. It is kind of funny. Like, okay. I know a guy so, that can get us all the rhino horns we want. 
Ah, there we go. So, I mean, it is kind of funny. Like when we did wood coasters in China, like we made the first wood coaster in China in 2009. And like in the United States, steel coasters are getting bigger, taller, faster all the time. And, and that's kind of the, the thrilling coaster, the scary coaster. But when we did our rides in China, um, wood's not really a building material there, or at least it wasn't. Houses or, or anything. It's all concrete. Yeah, yeah. It's it's all concrete or steel. Um, they don't really have native lumber that they can use for structural purposes. And so the idea of a wood coaster is straight up terrifying, right? Like it's like, why would you ever build a coaster out of that? It's like building a coaster <laughs> out of styrofoam or something. And uh, so these wood coasters became the big, scary new rides uh, in, in China, which was... I don't know. It was a refreshing change of pace, right? To go there and be considered the 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 ultimate thrill ride. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, you, you do have a lot of a lot of your coasters in the last decade have been built in China, so yeah, some of our best. I mean, my favorite's Jungle Trailblazer, but I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I've always looked at to be. Hmm, Jungle Trailblazer. That's a great. That's great. That's they're very six flags with uh, the same ride, ride name over and over. I, yeah, I love that. but you got to be careful because Jungle Trailblazer is not quite as good as Jungle Trailblazer. So yeah, that you comparing. Gotta, you gotta, it's, it's, I personally prefer Jungle Trailblazer. I think you. I think all of you are wrong. Jungle Trailblazer is the best. <laughs> I think my favorite actually is the one in Shaman because they actually they 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 planted a jungle in the middle of the ride. So you're actually going through trees and uh, a jungle like environment. So it, it, you know, really embodies the jungle trailblazer spirit. Now I got to find a way. Which one was that? There's seven of them. Hold on. Yeah. I'll, I'll yeah, figure it's, it out. It's the one that says something like heritage, ah. <laughs> which is still like, Oh four. yeah. There's still four, <laughs> four Oriental heritage. Okay, one of four. Narrow me down to four from from seven. Here we go. Yeah. Oh, yep. There's the forest. Nice. <laughs> there it is. There it is. I think we gotta call it quits. Oh, you're good. The lights are off. <laughs> they turned it all up. They don't even know you're in there anymore. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe locked in. Uh, well, stay, I mean, staying at night at the brewery. Hey, <laughs> could all be weird. All the very good drink. All right. So, in that case, we'll we'll bid adieu to everybody. Just call a night. One hunter's got to go to sleep. Obviously, <laughs> she's got to wake up early in the morning. Big day tomorrow. Um, but yeah, Jonathan Hunter, Chad, James, and Brian. Thank you again from Gravity Group for joining us. Uh, appreciate you. Uh, any final thank you parting words of wisdom on the lovely audience? Go ride the Bobcat. <laughs> yeah, cash Bye, money. Bobcat. All I can say. <laughs> uh, I was gonna say roller coasters should have airtime. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the wooden coaster. There yeah. it is. <laughs> That's steel. Future wooden coasters is wood. <laughs> All right, thank you, gentlemen and ladies. We have. Yep. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> All right.